invited today uh, Mindy May to come and talk to us. Mindy is a um, student, a PhD student at Southwestern Seminary, and she's also a part of the First Eulis community. And she's done a lot of research, she's done a lot of interviews with people that are involved in trafficking. I hope that you saw as you went around the room that trafficking is not just sexual. That trafficking is any time someone is bought or sold for indentured servanthood, sex, um, a lot of times overseas, the coffee that we buy, the chocolate that we eat, the clothes that we wear are all um, a part of this trafficking issue. So we've invited her to come and talk to us this morning about what it looks like within our area around us. So y'all give a round of applause for Mindy. Hey, am I on? Can you hear me? Okay. Well, um, this is new to me, just like it's new to some of you. Um, over the last several years, one of my very close friends from seminary, she's actually my roommate in seminary, um, she served in Bangkok, Thailand, um, ministering specifically to those that have been trafficked into the sex trade there. And so she would call at all hours of the night because that's a very, very hard, hard task um, to deal with and, and to work with this population just because of some of the realities that go along with that. Um, but... A couple of months ago, again, very new, I was at a counseling conference, um, and I encountered a lady that was there who works predominantly with, with some people in India, but she had also started an anti-trafficking organization in Georgia. And I thought, well, that's interesting, because like many of you, I thought this was just kind of an international problem. I didn't pay attention to the fact that it may quite possibly be happening here. And so that got me really curious, and then I had another friend who was reading up a little bit on some modern-day slavery issues, and so um, I grabbed the book and started reading it and was floored. So that kind of sparked my interest to start doing um, some research as far as what's the prevalency in the United States, what does it look like here, what does it look like in my own area, being from the Metroplex. And so started researching and um, ended up writing a huge fat research paper that I'd love for all of you to read if you're ever interested in academia and sex trafficking in the United States. It's wonderful. Um, but from a, from a counseling perspective and just from a Christian perspective, how do we deal with this issue? What's our responsibility? What are the needs? Um, it, it goes far beyond just awareness, rescue, and restoration. Um, those are the kind of the three main points and three different avenues that you can work with this population. But once, once you rescue them, what do you do with them? What, what issues do you need to address? What does this look like? So I wanted to share with you guys a little bit today of just the prevalency here, what it looks like. Um, roughly, there are about 27 million people that are currently enslaved across the globe. Okay? There's about, at any given time, about 50,000 that are enslaved within the United States. Okay? So each year, there's about 40,000 people that are trafficked specifically into the United States. And I want to make a distinction between smuggling and trafficking. Um, smuggling is when you're going to bring somebody in to do a work, you let them go, and they're here illegally. Trafficking is when they come in illegally and they are forced into some type of labor, okay, whether the sex trade or, or labor exploitation, whatever it may be, it's for the specific point of exploitation of a person. And so they are enslaved, they're stripped of all of their rights, and they don't get to earn any wages or anything like that. And so um, it is modern-day slavery. And about the statistics and the numbers, um, if, if you're an American history person, we're currently trafficking in and bringing in more modern-day slaves than pre-independence America. Okay, that's your distinction. Okay, so there are more slaves currently in the United States than there were prior to the Civil War and the emancipation of slavery. Okay, so it's a rampant problem. It's definitely here, and I'm still in that mode of just my jaw is still dropped, and how do we deal with this, and, and what does all this mean? 
And so um, what I learned through all of this is that the United States is actually the second um, targeted country for trafficked individuals. We're right behind Italy, okay? There's, there's two types of countries. There's receiving countries and there's sending countries. We're the number two receiving country, okay? Why are we a receiving country? What, is, what does that look like? We're a receiving country because the sex industry in the United States is huge, okay? We're the number one leading of international or internet um, pornography industry. That's, that's all on us. We're driving that. So therefore, the people that are being trafficked in are a part of this pornography industry as well. It's not just prostitution issues and those type of things. It's, um, it's the pornography industry as well. And so since we're so just consumeristic when it comes to the sex trade, that makes us a, a, number, a number two receiving country of this type of industry. It's the fastest growing form of organized crime in America right now, okay? The reason why it was so underground, why a lot of us don't know about it, is because it's highly, highly secretive, okay? It's all underground because it's illegal. And so it's run by um, some of the biggest forms of like mafia type things going on, and others are just small organizations um, of teams of like three or four people who are just buying money. I mean, this is, this is a business, and it's very much a business, and, and all the victims are completely objectified. They don't have any value. Um, the victims that you need to be aware of, they're in this trafficking industry, whether it's sex or labor or whatever it is, they're only in it for about six months to about two years, because they're only in as long as they're valuable. Okay, so implications of that are, okay, so they get in, and they are severely beaten, they're raped, okay? They're in horrible living conditions, okay? Well, again, we're in America and we're a consumeristic um, country. And so, um, and most Americans are aware of sexually transmitted diseases and all those types of things. And so in order to protect themselves, they only want quasi-clean girls, okay? Which is contributing to the fact that the age of trafficked individuals gets younger and younger and younger because they'll pay up to $50,000 for a night with an eight-year-old girl because she's clean. Does that make sense? So this is some of the things that, that we're dealing with here. Um, what I learned is that the four top states in the United States are California, Florida, New York, and Texas. Since 2001, Texas has been the number one receiving country. Okay. The reasons for that, obviously, international travel is huge. Immigrant populations is huge. So we've got a lot of factors um, that, are, that are kind of putting us as kind of target, target area. Okay. Um, the number one target area in the state of Texas, um, and this is still kind of debated because since it's so underground and it is secretive, all your statistics and numbers are just kind of skewed sometimes. Um, but the I-10 circle of Houston is considered the number one spot, but DFW is number two. Okay, so we're right there, and it's debated who's winning. I don't want to win, but that's a possibility. So it's here. It's rampant. The Super Bowl coming in is going to be um, a major point of concern. Um, and what this looks like, just practically, some of you may be wondering, what does this even look like? These are people that are in underground brothels, spas, massage parlors, pornography, all these types of things. This is kind of where they're going. So for the Super Bowl, what will legitimately happen is that people will come in and they'll rent a house in the suburbs for three months, okay? So leading up to the Super Bowl and then a month after, okay? And they'll run an underground brothel in your neighborhood. And so it's an issue of, you know, what do we do with all this information? Um, I wanted to kind of give you guys some, some key points because, again, we have this huge, like, okay, let's create awareness, and that is huge. But beyond awareness, I'm a, I'm a practical girl and a counselor, so I get concerned about these other issues going on, okay? 
once we do rescue them, what are the needs and how do we help? Okay? Our government, they're not doing everything that I would love, but they're actually trying. Okay? The United States offers a whole um, trafficking victims annual report. And we're considered a tier one country, which means that we actually have some legislation against trafficking, and we have ways to help them, which is great. We actually offer a whole international visa for people that have been internationally trafficked, um, where they can stay in our country for three years. So we're doing things to try to help them, but it's not where it needs to be yet. But I think my biggest frustration in going through all the research was the fact that the church is still pretty silent on this issue, and the church is doing nothing. So what do we do? So a couple of needs that I would say just to be aware of is that once people are rescued, um, you've got to deal with some realities. There's, there's addiction issues of substance abuse because that is how most traffickers are going to kind of maintain control of their victims. Um, so they get them addicted to drugs. And so once they're out after that, you know, to your point, there's been a significant um, effect on their lives as far as the amount of drugs that they've had to consume and have obviously having to recover from that type of addiction. So you've got substance and drug addiction issues, you've got sexual addiction issues, you've got identity issues, their complete identity has been stripped completely. Okay, so they consider themselves extremely just worthless. And so what do we do as far as their, their identity in Christ? Um, they, I mean, you've got to start at rock bottom as far as building them up into, into who they are and what identity is about. So that's huge. Um, you've got post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, dealing with realities of that as far as just nightmares and just physical ailments of that. I mean, again, they've got STDs. They've got all types of just um, intestinal problems. I mean, just the, the nerves, if you can imagine, of never knowing who's going to be um, encountering you next, who's going to be um, just around the corner from you or what you're going to be forced to do, what type of beatings you're going to um, come in contact with. And so there's a lot, a lot, a lot to deal with. Um, and so it's so much more than just we want to rescue them and get them out, it's that we want to help restore these people and, and offer them a life. And so, again, there's a lot of ways that you can get involved. Um, one thing that I've been really pleased to see is just some of the, the new faith-based organizations that are coming up in this area about, um, about trafficking specifically that I think are going to be really, really helpful once they get off the ground. This is kind of a new grassroots movement, if you will. Um, everybody's kind of just now gaining awareness and are really excited about it, which is great. Um, but they definitely need our help. Um, I know in Fort Worth, in Tarrant County specifically, um, Traffic 911 is a new faith-based anti-trafficking organization that's getting off the ground. They're opening up a safe house for, for people to come into after they've been rescued. But they're wanting volunteers to do um, small group Bible studies with these people, okay, and, and helping, um, helping them teach them about the Lord. Um, I've even had to kind of process through, okay, even if I were to sit down one-on-one -on -one and have a conversation um, about salvation and having a relationship with Christ. I don't know if you're aware of this, but if you read scripture, it is just covered in slavery language, okay? We're a slave to sin, we're in bondage to sin, then we become a slave to Christ, which is great. And for most of us, that doesn't really strike any terrible chord, and it almost paints a, a, a pretty clear, um, beautiful portrait of redemption, which is great. But to a trafficked individual who's been in slavery for the last several years, when you talk about slavery, what is their response? No, thank you. I don't want a part of that. I've been enslaved. So what do we do with that? We'll bring it around. Because part of what has kept these girls here is what's known as debt bondage. That's the, kind of the number one way um, that people get even put in the trafficking industry. Some vulnerabilities may be helpful for you guys. Um, poverty, just like you saw at one of the prayer stations, is a huge driving force um, 
for this, especially for internationally trafficked individuals that come into the country. In the United States, the main form of getting involved in trafficking is just straight up abduction, okay? Or some type of romanticizing as far as um, getting people connected on the internet, 14-year-old girls thinking that they're talking to another 14-year-old guy, they set up a meeting, and then they get abducted. Or they lure them in buying them cell phones or getting them drugs and those types of things. Um, gang activity, a lot of those are contributing to becoming involved in the United States. Um, but as far as internationally trafficked people, what happens is that um, they're in poverty and so they'll deceive and then coerce. And so they deceive them into thinking that they've got some type of job set up for them in the United States or some type of great educational opportunity here. And so they come in thinking that they've got some nanny position or they're going to be a waitress or a dancer somewhere and that they've got all these opportunities um, in America, which is exciting for them. And so then they get them into the country and then they steal their passports, they steal all of their documentation, and they are saying, okay, well now that you're here, we pay for all of your travel expenses, so you owe us this much money and all these different things. Well, they obviously can't pay. They're from poverty, they're uneducated, they don't speak the language, what can they do? So they're coerced into performing for however long their traffickers consider them valuable. And so those are the types of things that, that we're dealing with. Um, but going back to just kind of the perspective of how do you, how do you engage them with the gospel and what does that look like, um, I think the best thing to do would be kind of to, to portray the debt bondage um, that we were in sin, but that Christ has paid that debt. And so if you approach it from a language that they understand and from a situation that they understand, it might be helpful in that respect. But I just kind of wanted to make you guys aware of, of some of the things to, to be aware of. Um, it is a heinous crime that's going on right now. It's definitely here. It's definitely prevalent. Um, we definitely have to do something. And now it's an issue of us trying to figure out what exactly that looks like and how do we help. And so, again, I'm with you guys um, as far as this being new. Um, I jumped into this really quickly and, and really deeply um, because I had to get a research paper done by deadline. Um, but even, I mean, I'm really good friends with Lori, and I'm sitting there I was like, I did not prepare mentally, emotionally, or spiritually for, for this type of endeavor so quickly um, because I just kind of jumped in with both feet. But now that I'm in, um, my heart is broken. Um, it's... It's not, it's not flashy. It's not pretty. It's, um, it's definitely more, I would encourage you, this is more than just, let's get really excited about something, we're going to be really excited about it for a month, and then we're going to drop it. We have a tendency to do that. Okay? So get excited, get passionate. If this is resonating with you, if your heart is just broken for these people, come talk to me. There are other people here. There are organizations to get plugged in with. But, um, but it's definitely a need. It's definitely here. It's in our backyards, and um, the church has got to respond. Um, the government's doing kind of their part and trying to work that out, but it's definitely time for the church to do theirs. So that's what I would encourage you with. So. Stay up here for just a second. Okay. Here. Um, real quick. Remember that I was going to give you all the opportunity to ask questions, but any of y'all have like a couple of questions to, that she can help us out on? Statistic, a thousand children every night in Dallas comes from three sources. One, UNICEF. Two, the uh, Dallas County Police Department. And three, from Irving Bible Church, which is um, a big organizer of churches within this area to get the word out. So a combination of those three places. Also, another thing is the 2005 Persons and Human Trafficking Report. Mm -hmm. Um, DFW is mentioned in there 
with regard to um, child sex trafficking? Sorry, that was a question for me. No, that's fine. Okay. I would say that most statistics, just so you guys are aware, most of them are on the conservative side um, because it is so secretive and kind of clandestine in nature um, that most, most numbers are on the conservative side. So I would even say there's probably more than what you're going to read about yeah. Um, yeah. in most respects. Go ahead. You said uh, most of the uh, sex slave people are useful for six months to two years. What happens after that? What do they do? Or what do they do with it? Uh, they discard them and just say, go. Um, which you've got some language issues if they've been trafficked internationally. Um, and so most of them honestly die from an STD within the first several months. Most do commit suicide. Um, because that whole just worthless, they don't have an identity, um, most, and this is kind of the, the major problem with trafficking in general and probably the most frustrating thing for people who are trying to, you know, do the restorative efforts is that um, they just go back into it. It becomes a cycle because they feel like that is their only value. That's the only thing that they can do. And so once they're out, they feel like this is the only thing I know to do. This is the only thing I can do. This is the only way that I can make money or survive. And so they'll actually, from that point, go into volunteer types of prostitutions. But most do um, die from STD or drug overdose or suicide within the first several months. One more question. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, internationally speaking, I'm from Africa. Yeah. Uh, and poverty and uh, uh, illiteracy is endemic in Africa. And uh, all of these are uh, interrelated with the trafficking we are talking about. So. What is the church doing in order to propagate the world out there just beyond the United States or Julius and the DFWA? Yeah. Well, right now the church is really just trying to, to create awareness. Um, as far as internationally, I know the International Mission Board as well as International Justice Mission and other churches that have become aware of this issue are traveling internationally to other countries and trying to create some type of education and prevention methods is their main thing that they're trying to do right now. Another, another organization that is involved in this is um, overseas, actually called Stop the Traffic. Mm -hmm. And they're working predominantly in Europe and Australia to make people aware there. And then what they are doing is mobilizing people within their country to talk to the UN. Mm -hmm. And everybody has their preconceived notions about how effective that's going to be. But they are raising the awareness and putting the pressure on the legislation, legislative branches of those countries in order to say, look, we need laws where we won't buy things from these countries. We will not only not buy them, but we'll go and help the people that are growing this coffee in Africa and they're being, they're being beaten and whipped and all those things where we help them through that process. Mm -hmm. So awareness, also pushing the government. And then I would say with... Um, with specifically with Southern Baptists, with the International Mission Board, they are making their uh, missionaries and the church planners in those areas aware of this problem so that they are on the ground fighting it just as intensely. It's the same problem with poverty, AIDS, um, all, of those, all of those huge issues that are thrown in the blender. Um, they're on the ground. They educate them in order to help them with that process. Uh, real quickly, I didn't realize this. Whoever wrote me this note, go ahead and come on down. But the executive director of Traffic 911 is actually here today. Yay. And if he wants to tell us real quickly about 
Um, the Super Bowl, well, we know about the Super Bowl. Uh, what's going on with the Super Bowl? Thank you so much. Hi. Hey, I'm Dina Graves from Traffic 911, and man, I just have to tell you, this is amazing. And we would love to see this happen at our big.
Not that they just believe in Jesus with their head, but in believing, Jesus transforms their heart. Um, Paul says in Corinthians, several Corinthian passages, that the gospel is foolishness to the world. And so you may be walking through this like, well, how is the gospel going to solve this problem? The gospel is the only solution to this problem. People that are changed by the gospel is the only solution to helping these people that are in need, first and foremost. Number two, um, in, in Corinthians, it says that we are the aroma of Christ. That when we go out into the world, when we're sent, that we have the odor of Jesus on us. And when people come in contact with us with the odor of Jesus, to some, it's life. And to others, it's death. It's life to those who are like, I see Jesus in you, I smell that, I want to be a part of that. It's death to those that say, no. John says that judgment is already on, on the world in that the light has come to the world and people have run into the darkness instead of the light. Your example out there in the world with this issue, with other issues, living the gospel, that has that effect. And then finally, in Corinthians, it says that we are ministers of reconciliation. That we're ambassadors for Jesus. We go out into the world and we make a plea with the way that we live our lives. Be reconciled with Jesus. Churches all over the place are getting involved in this. Uh, my brother-in-law is a part of a, a movement where they are going and planting churches in brothels overseas that they rescue people from. They rescue them and then immediately plant a church to walk with them through all the things that they go through. We want you to be aware, one, that the gospel changes everything. It alone changes this issue. If you have not been transformed by Jesus, that is available to you. We would love to talk to you about that. We don't want you to just think that I will give back and giving money and throwing things at this issue will solve the problem. It will not solve the only people that are moved by the Holy Spirit, changed by Jesus on the inside out, living the gospel, will change this problem. We get it? Awesome. Now what we're going to do is, um, I'm going to pray for us, we're going to show a real quick video, and we want to switch to a different atmosphere here, okay? We, we've seen these huge things, we've seen, we've heard these statistics and these stories, and it's like, uh, like some of you are just want to throw up. Like that's the effect that it has on me. So what do you do with that? What what is what does that look like in our worship of Jesus with that? Well, what we do is when we're happy, when we're sad, when we're hurt, when we're grieved, when we are just downtrodden, when we are just so burdened with things. The only appropriate response is worship, where we recognize that Jesus alone is the chain breaker. That Jesus alone can give us the grace to send us out to solve a problem like this. And if you have this way of, I'm one person, that's exactly where you need to be. Because only you, living in light of the gospel, in a community of believers, can solve this problem. Okay? A uh, couple things for you, and I'll shut up and get out of the way. But I want to let you know before we start worshiping that um, if you're our guest here today, we would love to invite you to a free lunch, and it actually is free. Um, we're going to be meeting at Bob Eden Park, which is right down the road. 
We have barbecue for you. Just just time to meet you, to feed you, and to visit with you. Um, if you brought a guest, we would also like to give you some food. If you didn't bring a guest, I told y'all the whole time, you're lame and you need to pay. Okay, so we'll tell you about that later. Also, uh, we were donating some. One of the one of the ways that we can get involved is uh, with something that's called fair trade. And I know some of you all realize that, but the coffee that was out there today was donated by Roots Coffee House. It's right here near TCC Northeast Campus. Um, they are a fair trade coffee house where what that means is when they buy coffee from their distributor, they are assured that the people that are growing the coffee and harvesting the coffee are getting a fair wage. That they're not just being paid pennies in order to harvest the coffee that we charge five bucks for at Starbucks. Okay? Um, also, if you came because of the giveaways, we, we have some Tom shoes that we're going to give away. We have some uh, some tickets to that movie, The Playground. Uh, all of that. We're going to, we're gonna, instead of like making this like Will of Fortune or something, we're going to give those away on our website. We'll contact you. If you left your information out there, we'll contact you, let you know if you want, and get that to you that way, okay? We good? Awesome. Let's pray. God, we thank you again. Lord, that you are sovereign, that you rule over the entire earth, and that nothing happens on earth that is not a part of your plan. But we also recognize that creation groans as a result of sin. And Lord, we thank you that through Jesus, you have defeated sin and death and the grave. And you give us the opportunity to be on mission with Jesus, with the cross, and with the blood of Jesus, to infect our world with the gospel. To infect problems like these with the gospel. So Lord, we ask that you would motivate us. We ask that you would kick us in the pants, that you would wake us up to the reality, and that you would crucify indifference and apathy for us. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.